a joyful Resurrection Sunday to you, Easter Sunday. It's a strange one. Thanks for joining us. I miss you, church. Parents, I want to remind you that a hands-on Easter lesson is below this video on our page for your kids. What a week. Started last week, a warm spring, and then by Wednesday, Thursday, Thursday into Friday there, 16 inches of snow at my house. Uh, no power till last night. Um, fortunately got that, got shaved, took a shower, feel fresh again. And good Friday and the joy of that. Had a lot of things planned that didn't go as I planned and got out other plans. I want to welcome you here regardless. Maybe you're not part of our local church. Maybe you're here watching out of curiosity. Regardless, I want you to see the glory of the resurrection this morning. I want to do something different. I want to give you the view of the resurrection from one character in the gospel accounts. We know her as Mary Magdalene. Her Hebrew name was Miriam of Magdala. I've taken the references of her and worked to bring a harmony to the events of her life. I'm going to tell her story. Most of this is a retelling of scripture that you can check out on your own. And some of it I filled in by things implied or what would have probably gone on in everyday experiences as a Hebrew woman who met Jesus. We're going to land in John chapter 20 at the end. So if you want to turn there and wait, if you have a Bible, that's the place to be. So Miriam of Magdala. She grew up in a fishing village on the west side of the Sea of Galilee. She was used to the hard work, smell of salted fish, and the beautiful sea of Galilee sunrises. She was named Miriam after the older sister of Israel's great leader of the Exodus from slavery in Egypt, Moses. She knew from the law, the Torah, that Miriam had a special place in Israel's history. The one who had kept watch over her infant brother in the bulrushes had alerted Pharaoh's daughter when she found Moses in the basket and had later rejoiced in songs and dance of praise to Yahweh who had delivered them from the Egyptians after they had crossed the Red Sea. And she was also very aware as she went to the synagogue each Shabbat and learned the scriptures from the village rabbi of the wrong that was in her namesake's heart. When Miriam, of old, had turned on Moses, and God struck her with the judgment of leprosy, which he mercifully took away, her heart, too, was like Miriam's of old, with darkness living in it. In fact, as this first century Miriam looked back, she could hardly recognize herself when she compared herself to what she knew she should be as a Hebrew woman. Life was dark now. She knew her heart was in bondage. She hated how that was. She hated her sin and the control she had given over to darkness, little by little. She had turned away from things she was taught in the law of Yahweh in her synagogue, and she knew who was in charge of her life now. It was dark. Fits and Uncontrollable moments and spells reminded her that she was headed to destruction as quickly as those village fishing vessels cruised with all their sails open to the wind. Chains on her soul. You see, 
she was controlled by demons. Her village and childhood friends turned away when they saw her. Her life seemed worthless to her. What she knew she should be before Yahweh was as impossible as swimming across the Sea of Galilee with a village grain grinding wheel tied to her ankles. She was without hope. News had been spreading through the little fishing villages around the Sea of Galilee that a carpenter's son, Yeshua of Nazareth, had been teaching as a rabbi throughout the synagogues of Galilee. He had made incredible what some called brash claims. She had heard rumors of claims that he was the one written in the scroll of Isaiah who had said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That phrase that she had heard with the rumors of, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, echoed through her mind. Interesting, these characters that came out of these fishing villages, she thought. We are a strange lot. The crowds were growing as he continued teaching and commanding people to repent because his kingdom was near. Even yesterday, her cousin Alona told her about what she had heard from her aunt in Capernaum. He had gone down to Capernaum nearby and was teaching on the Sabbath there week after week in the synagogue. And they were astonished at his teaching because his word was with authority. And there in the synagogue there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice saying, Let us alone! What have we to do with you, Yeshua of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him in their midst, it came out of him and did not hurt him. They were all amazed and spoke among themselves, saying, What a word this is. For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits and they come out. And the report about him went into every place in the surrounding region. And it reached her village of Magdala. The buzz about this rabbi had caught Miriam's curiosity. But his news fastened her attention. <clears throat> Did he really do that for that man? Would he do that for me and my misery? Life had only been more difficult, more dark, more hopeless these past years. Anything would be worth a trip to at least see this rabbi with a growing crowd of followers. And that's how it happened. When she heard he was approaching a nearby town, she decided she would go. So she left the sleepy village of Magdala, found where he was, and listened to his teaching about turning to him, who he was, and what his mission was to set at liberty those who were captives. As she listened, his message penetrated her heart. She knew he was her only hope. He had to be the one who the Spirit had rested upon, that the rabbi said would come. She came to him weeping after his teaching, asking him to change her. He did.
It was a story she would later simply tell to her friends that he had set her free from seven demons who she had given herself over to and had tormented her soul with bondage. And she was free. Her heart was changed. She had been made whole. She had been released from bondage to sin. She was free. Her life changed too. She knew this rabbi was different. He was her rescuer, her Messiah. What could she do now but tell people he had cast seven demons out of her? Her heart yearned for his words. He had told the crowds that there was a cost to follow him, to be like him, but it was worth it. She knew she had to follow him and learn to be like her rabbi, so she did. She quickly got to know some of the other Hebrew women who followed him, who had also been set free from evil spirits and infirmities and had set their hearts to follow the rabbi. And they, along with the twelve men he had specially called with him, went through every city and village, preaching and listening to him bring the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. There was Joanna, the wife of Chusa, King Herod's steward, wealthy, had left all to follow Christ, and Susanna, and many other women. They were devoted to him and took care of his needs from their own belongings and resources. It was the least they could do for the one who had set them free. They knew he was their king. This had been Miriam's life for the last couple and a half years. Everywhere he had gone, she was there behind the scenes, joyfully serving quietly providing, listening, growing stronger upon the hope of Israel. But things had turned. He had gone to Jerusalem for Passover that third year she had been with him. After Shabbat, the other Galilean pilgrims had heard that he was about to come into the city. And they lined the path, took their coats and put them on the ground for a path, cut some of the palm fronds, off the date palms that lined the road to Jerusalem and sang their psalms and shouted, Save now! Hosanna! to the king! But to their surprise, he came riding a young donkey. And there were tears in his eyes of sorrow. Something was not quite right, Miriam sensed. Friday morning of that week, she was awoken with a shake. One of the other women was frantic and told her that Yeshua had been taken captive and was on trial for blasphemy by the temple leaders, the 70 Sanhedrin. The penalty was declared to be death by the Romans. It was almost not real to Miriam. Seeing the one who had cared for her soul those three years now marched naked down the street of Jerusalem, back torn by the jagged edges of the cruel Roman whip, Face virtually unrecognizable with a swelling and caked blood. And forced to carry the heavy Roman cross being escorted and mocked by vulgar Gentile oppressor soldiers. Miriam's heart felt like it would break apart with grief and despair. Here was the one who was her rabbi, her king, her messiah, who would bring the kingdom of God, who had set her free from her sin and oppression and bondage, the one whom she had served and provided for and cooked and ministered to behind the scenes. And she was helpless. 
She could do nothing but weep and watch. She made her way with the crowd and found some of the other followers from Galilee and stood far off with him. Mary, the mother of James, the less, and of Joses, and Salome. And she watched helplessly as he died outside the city on the uncaring Roman cross. Hope gone. The one who had rescued her, gone. It didn't even seem real, but it was. She lingered after everybody else had left until they took his body off the cross so it wouldn't stay up for the Sabbath. And when she heard where he was to be laid to rest in Joseph of Arimathea's tomb, she along with Mary, the mother of Joses, went to see the location to plan on later coming back after Shabbat on the beginning of the new week and properly prepare the body. She watched as Joseph had the lifeless body wrapped in fresh quality linens, wound tightly from the feet to the neck. A battered, lifeless face with eyes closed was hard to recognize as the one who she had given her soul to and had delivered her. The pain hit even deeper in her heart as that face was covered with the cloth and the body was laid on the carved stone shelf on the side of the tomb to sit cold until they could return at the beginning of the week and finish the process of Jewish burial after Shabbat. A Roman soldier rolled the boulder into the groove in front of the entrance, sealed it with the governor's mark, and stood still and cold like iron left out on a winter night. Saturday, Shabbat, normally the day of rest, according to Moses' law for faithful Israelites. But Miriam's heart could not rest. Confusion, grief, memories, hopes dashed, crackled and sparked inside her like a lightning storm rocked with thunder in her spirit. Shabbat ended. She couldn't sleep. The first day of the week had barely begun to dawn. Miriam couldn't wait. She had waited long enough. He deserved a proper burial. She could have at least given that. She and Mary very early rounded the bend where the tombs were. They loved the special spices and oils to repair the body. But who would roll the boulder back out of the groove so they could enter, they asked each other. But what met their eyes in the dim dawn of that early morning on the first day of the week froze them with shock. The ground began to shake. The Roman sentries posted there were paralyzed with fear as a warrior of light descended, rolled back the boulder, sat on it, and said to them, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Yeshua who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you in the Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. Miriam and Mary looked up to see what they had heard. and They peered in and 
looked at the side of the tomb where the stone shelf was where the body had been. Couldn't be. Now the Romans moved him. Was it the temple leaders? This was too much. Mary was scared, confused, overwhelmed. She couldn't make sense of it. The body had been moved. That was the only explanation she could make sense of. But the burial clothes were still there, wound together. And that face covering that had been wrapped around his head was off to the side, folded neatly. Why would they be so careful to move the body and take the grave clothes off and so neatly? Heart beating, knees trembling, shock consuming them. Miriam took off and ran into Peter and John. She blurted out the words that could only make sense to her of the situation. They've taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they've laid him. Their eyes wide. They took off like a shot toward the tomb to see what she was talking about. They ran back to where they were staying to tell the others. Miriam was overcome with confusion, grief, and she stayed at the tomb and wept. This didn't seem real. As if Friday hadn't been awful enough. With tears running down her cheeks and brimming in her eyes, She bent down to take another look in the tomb. She saw two warriors of light sitting at the head and the foot of the burial clothes on the shelf where the body had been. She heard one of the figures in white ask, Lady, why are you crying? She said to him, Because they've taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. She turned away back out of the tomb, and saw another man standing behind her, who also asked, Lady, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? Who was this now? The keeper of the grounds? Maybe he would know what happened to the body. She took a breath, gathered her compulsion, and holding back sobs with eyes swollen and red with tears, said, Sir, If you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. He looked at her and said, Miriam. She said, Rabbi. And she reached to cling to him in awe. Her Yeshua. Her King, her Rescuer, her Redeemer, her Resurrected Savior. He gave instructions to her and told her he needed to ascend to his father and she needed to tell his brothers who he was ascending to. In Miriam of the little Galilee fishing village of Magdala, on the west side of the Sea of Galilee, Miriam, who had been powerfully rescued by the Messiah when he had cast out seven demons. Miriam, who had given her life to serve him. Miriam, who watched her Messiah suffer and cry out, it is fulfilled. Miriam, who he had appeared first to out of all the disciples and she had spoken face to face with a resurrected master. 
who knew her the same close personal way he had before he had died. That Miriam of Magdala ran with great joy with Mary and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. Are the key points of Miriam of Magdala your story too? Have you, like Miriam of Magdala, understood that you also were under the hopeless bondage of sin, headed for destruction and a godless eternity in hell apart from Christ, and have been offered the free gift of rescue if you will only have complete trust in what Jesus did for you? Have you been humbled and broken at the cross as he died for your rebellious sin of wanting to go your own way, away from God's purity? Have you trusted his sacrifice alone in your place for your sin on the cross and have come to find joy in him as the resurrected king? Believers, are you driven by a passion with a new heart that beats in love and obedience to your king? Does he know you? Do you know him? You see, Miriam of Magdala's story was my story. I was deep in sin and pride and selfishness, unsatisfied with my life's purpose. But there came a time when God worked in my heart through his word, the scriptures, and showed me where my willful path was taking me, quickly to hell and apart from God. But to the Son of God, fully God, sent by God the Father to take on human flesh, was born of a virgin according to the Scriptures and promises, lived a flawless life in my place, died the death I deserved, and rose again in victory on the third day. And that day I placed my total trust in Him alone, and turned from my own way to follow him. He rescued me like Miriam. He put the Spirit of Christ inside me, and when I drift, he prods me and turns me back to him in full forgiveness. He put me into my faith family, the local church, founded and built upon this good news. And one day, he's coming as the rightful king of this universe to rule and reign. He invites you to take your deep, thirsty heart and find in him water that is alive that will never run dry and will always satisfy the heart that is anchored to him. He is the one of whom it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. This is of first importance that Christ Jesus came to save sinners by his good news of his death, burial, and resurrection in our place. Trust him. Turn to him in full reliance. Trust him today for full new life now and forever. That's what the story of Mary Magdalene teaches us. The story of Miriam of Magdala. 
The Gospel writers record her as first among the women. The one who served Jesus, the one who was there at the cross watching, and the one first to the tomb, and the one to whom he first appeared. It wasn't because Mary of Magdala was anything special. It was because the saving power of Christ in her life was special. He can do the same for you as he's done for me, and probably countless others who are watching this. May you be refreshed and blessed this Easter, this Resurrection Sunday. Oh, it's strange not being with my church here in this empty room. But the Spirit of Christ, the Invisible One, the One who empowers us, is alive today and living within us. He walks with us. He joins us to Christ. He puts Christ in us and puts us in Christ. And it's all because we have a risen Savior.